Bucks. Let's do it. This is Buccaneers Total Access, Total Access. with head coach Bruce Arians. Fall ball of the 25, 20, 15, 10, Mike Evans, touchdown Tampa Bay. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Bruce Arians. Welcome to the Bruce Arians Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. Another exciting win. Uh, that one probably down to the wire a little more than you would have wanted. And speaking for myself, I feel like I lost five to ten years off my life. What was the ending like for you there, especially waiting to see about that flag? Yeah, it was uh, you know, a matter of going over time and, and trying to win it or uh, the game over there. Uh, I thought uh, I didn't. I thought they would pick it up. I didn't think it was past interference. Not like you're biased on that call or anything, yeah. though. But no, I was I was so impressed with that play by Antoine Winfield Jr. and he had to cover some ground on that play. So take us through uh, what he was able to do and, and the coverage of that. You know they had a good play. They had, they had a big shift, then late motion, and uh, you know we we had to navigate. Antoine had to navigate through his own own players to get there. And uh, initially he was their play was open and he just closed the gap uh, and made a heck of a play on the ball. And tell us about that touchdown that even made the two-point conversion a possibility. What happened on, on that drive and, and that touchdown by Golden Tate? Well, they had the, the two big fourth-down conversions. We lost contain on one, and then we dropped interception right in our hands. And you drop interception, something bad is going to happen. And uh, Golden Tate uh, got behind Sean. Shaw thought he was in good position. It was a great throw by Daniel Jones, and uh, he made the catch and got both feet down. And, and this was another game where maybe the, the first to second half felt different or even maybe, a, you know, there have been some games where the first quarter felt different. What was the message at halftime that, that helped the team come out and, and have a pretty different feel or vibe in the second half? Do your job. Do your job. We weren't doing our job. We weren't playing uh, with the energy that we've been playing with or the execution. And uh, I thought both picked up in the second half. And Jaden Mickens ended up being a huge part of this offense. He was targeted more in the first half than he had been the, the previous seven games. And uh, his previous career high of targets was five. Tell us what the thought process was behind using him so much and him being such a big part of trying to replace Godwin. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he's, a, he's a, a shifty little slot receiver. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's Chris's spot. And, we thought he'd, do, he'd be the best matchup for us, and, and Mick did a really, really good job. And, and tell us about some of the things he was asked to do specifically and, and the parts to play in the offense when he hadn't had as much time, that, you know, the chemistry with him and Brady and, and how you guys felt comfortable having him take on a pretty big role like that. Well, he gets a ton of practice. I mean, he, he practices uh, because those guys don't practice very often. So he's been in front of Tom uh, probably more so than Chris and and Mike have because of the practice time and their injuries. So um, we have a ton of confidence in, in Jaden, and uh, and he came through for us. And speaking of Mike, definitely seemed like he was uh, his his normal healthy self. Five catches, fifty five yards, another touchdown. Uh, what did you see from his his performance, and how did it especially compare to maybe some other games when he hadn't been at his healthiest? Yeah, Mike Mike's back to full speed, and and it showed in this ball game. We. We had him open a bunch of times, and we just didn't get it to him. But, uh, you know, we threw it to some other places. But, uh, you know, he had a whale of ball game. And uh, I thought, you know, them putting Bradbury on him was going to happen. And, and Mike answered that challenge really, really well. 
Yeah, Bradbury has been a guy that in the past has seemed to have Mike's number a little bit, you know, whether it was you know, no matter what team he was playing for against the Buccaneers. So what is it about that matchup that has been kind of difficult for Mike in, in recent years, and how was he able to exploit it a little bit more on Monday night's game? You're very, very guys, few guys that have the length and the speed uh, to play with Mike, and, and James has length and speed, but uh, uh, Mike, uh, I thought, you know, took, we put him inside more where Bradbury doesn't play a lot, and, uh, and Mike really did a good job of getting himself open uh, inside. And even when Mike hasn't had a ton of yards or catches, maybe he's, he's now tied for the league lead with seven touchdowns. Why has he been so effective, particularly getting into the end zone, even when, like I said, there, there are times that, that that may be some of his only yards or catches? Uh, people want to play one-on-one down there. They, they want to stop the run. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a mismatch for versus anybody one-on-one down to the red zone. And this made you guys, his touchdown in particular made you guys 22 for 22 on touchdowns and goal to go situations. That is an incredible statistic. Why have you guys not only had success there, but success so consistently every single time? I think we, the good mix of the run in the pass and with runs called, uh, seeing the guys that are one-on-one and making RPOs and uh, Tom's distributed the ball perfectly down there. Tyler Johnson, a couple really big grabs. One in particular took a big shot on and still hung on to the ball. What did you see from his performance? Yeah, again, big physical kid who's uh, just really coming on. That, that, that play down the middle, he knew he was going to get hit, but uh, he's, he's a very physical receiver himself. So uh, I think he welcomed it and uh, he got a game ball for it. And I, I know the stereotypes about wide receivers are typically that everybody's, you know, a little bit more selfish or wants the ball more, counting how many times they get targeted. And I, I just want to hear about this particular wide receiver room and in that regard of their unselfishness when you have all these games where you are having eight, nine different guys catching the ball, and then now you're going to be adding Antonio Brown to that room, of, of how you see that shaking out. Yeah, just go do your job. Go out and get open. The ball will find you. And uh, be happy when the other guy catches it. Be the first one to congratulate him. And tell us what you thought of Rojo and Fournette's performances and the choices behind when you used each of those guys. Yeah, Rojo, uh, he just got, you know, he had that fumble really wasn't his fault. And uh, the ball was tipped. He caught it. He tried to get up and make a play. The guy hit it. So uh, I didn't blame him for that. Uh, But, you know, Leonard has done a good job in the passing game and the running game. So he played a little bit more in the second half. But, uh, Rojo's still our guy. We're going to lean on him in the running game, and he's been running great. And how did you feel the O-line did uh, making ways for both of those guys? I think this was one of our poorer games. Um, I didn't think we were as physical as we needed to be. The, the Giants do have a nice front. But, uh, again, um, we, had some, we had some runs. We hit, hit some explosive runs. But our, our winning percentage in the running game wasn't high enough. And I know this also was the first time in uh, around, I think, eight quarters that, that Brady went down. There were a couple sacks in the game. Uh, what did you see from the pass protection and what the Giants maybe did that the last few games haven't seen or, or maybe what happened on the O-line front that hadn't happened the last few games? Yeah, the O-line was fine. We just – they were coverage sacks. We got to throw the ball away or get rid of it. But uh, both those times, he had plenty of time to throw. We just – we had to get open faster. And I know going into halftime, there was a moment that was a fourth down decision of kicking the field goal versus going for it. And, and what, what all went into that decision at that point in that game? 
Yeah, we had to, we had to kick the field goal, and I, I don't know why they put three or four seconds back on the clock because I was trying to let the clock run down. And uh, <clears throat> but no, we we had to use a timeout when we didn't want to use one, so uh, we we just got the field goal right before half. It was a good drive. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians talking about that win over the Giants. Um, defensively, I mean, it's been so fun as a fan even to just watch the different blitz packages and schemes that, that Bowles keeps throwing out there. And, uh, I mean, this game in particular, you know, coming in basically around 60% of the time blitzing on passing, which was already about the second highest in the league. And I think there was a point in the second half when um, they were blitzing on about 80-something percent of the passing plays. So I just wanted to hear from you what all has worked so well in that and, and how much that adds to this defense when, when that is an option. Yeah, it's a, there's different styles. And uh, you can bring five or six or you can bring four, but it's dropping from the other side and, and rushing DBs. Try to keep the back end so that you got zone blitzes that uh, you want to let three or four guys get out and keep the back end so there's no check down or no flare control and uh, or get home. So – I think Todd does a great job of mixing and matching. And, um, you know, Devin got home one time, and I think um, Shaq caused two interceptions. He getting sacks, but he caused two interceptions. Yeah, take us through both of those uh, plays that Shaq made on those two interceptions. And that's definitely one of those where he won't get as much credit stat-wise. It won't show a sack, and he's not the one getting the interception. But um, did you feel like he essentially was the, the reason for both of those interceptions? Oh, there was no doubt. Yeah, he had, you know, had Daniel in the grasp and uh, spinning him around and, and caused two errant throws that uh, we were fortunate enough to pick off big plays in the game. And with him, even when he's not getting some of those same statistics like sacks, um, where do you see his play as compared to last year, especially when, again, those of us that, that mainly look at more of the, the stat side don't always recognize the little things he's, he's being asked to do? Oh, he's got a ton of hits, a ton of pressures. Uh, the, you know, the sacks will come, but you know, it's he's still he's still playing a really really high level football and and, and creating havoc for quarterbacks, getting them off the spot, and uh, you know just don't get tied up in statistics. And we had talked about the the blitzes and, and Devin White getting home for one of them. Uh, what did you see from both Devin and Levante's play? Uh, that was just average for really both of those guys. Uh, I mean, uh, I expect more out of both of them. Uh, boy, Levante dropped a huge interception. Uh, that would ice that ball game, and that's not like him. He always makes that play. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, they played good. Don't get me wrong, they played good, but I expect great out of them every week. And what do you think it was that made both of them not as effective maybe um, or as consistent as they normally are in a game? Was it something the Giants were doing, or was it just a, a bit of an off night for them? A little bit of both, you know, a little bit of both. And, uh, you know, Devin got held a number of times in the running game, but um, that wasn't called. But the um, the Giants helped, but again, there's a level of expectation for our defense that I don't think we lived up to in that ball game. Jason Pierre-Paul, a guy that has definitely been registering in the sack column, has six and a half already on the season. Another one against his former team Monday night. I'm I'm sure you knew he was going to be pretty fired up for this game. How did you feel like he played? And was there any sense that you needed to either rein him in or try to use that extra motivation against his former team? No, he played with a ton of energy and. Uh, you know, I, I think he he was more than ready for this ball game, obviously, and uh, he got close a few more times too that uh, I thought were penalties, but they didn't get called. But uh, you know, I, I thought Jason uh, he put a ton of pressure on him. 
And about at halftime, uh, the Bucks defense had given up 66 or 64 rushing yards. And um, going into this game, we're only giving up 66 for entire games. Uh, what were the Giants doing in the in the running game, or what was the the struggle on the defensive side to to slow it down as compared to some other games when you faced, um, you know, some pretty prolific rushers earlier this year? Yeah, we misfit a couple of runs, uh, which is unlike unlike us. And uh, I thought our pad level was a little bit high. We didn't get much production out of our two nose tackles like we normally do. So uh, I think it was more us than them. And it just feels like there's been such a consistent narrative um, this year of the defense coming up with some really big plays, particularly interceptions at a time when the team really needs them and them being essentially the catalyst to get things sort of turned around. Um, Take us through both the Carlton Davis interception and the Sean Murphy bunting interception. We know that Shaq played a big part in those, but those two guys, what their role was in it and what those two interceptions meant for what was going on in the game at the time. Yeah, they were both playing in the zone defense, so their eyes were on the quarterback. And uh, and Shaq, again, he's got him in the grass both times. And Daniel, being the young player he is, is always trying to make a Superman play. Uh, Throw it up and uh, throw it right to Carlton. He caught it and made a big play. And then Sean made a real nice interception on the other one. And overall, I mean, interceptions – I mean, the, the defense has been doing incredible at that overall. And um, why, where has that really changed from, from recent years, you think, in terms of being able to really produce in that stat column that consistently week in and week out being able to produce interceptions? I think it's just a good combination of uh, pass rush and, and guys playing with their eyes up and, and catching the football. I mean, we dropped two interceptions in that game also. But, uh, yeah, that, the big play, Carlton's play was huge for us came out of halftime and, and really energized the sideline and we needed some energy uh, and uh, was, was a huge play for us. And how would you rate the play of the corners overall uh, Monday night and, and maybe even explain a little bit of the ways that you used uh, Jamel versus Sean, Sean Murphy Bunting and, and the roles that you see the two of those guys in Carlton playing? Uh, Carlton's playing at an all-pro level. And, uh, you know, Sean was struggling a little bit. I was really happy to see get the interception because he had a great week of practice. We started Jamel in our base package, and they, and, they, and they played a lot of two tight ends. So Sean didn't play as much as I hoped. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we got three really good corners and uh, hopefully keep them all healthy. And there was a, a huge drive offensively in the middle of the third quarter, some big passes to, to Mike and to Gronk, and then it resulted in a Gronk touchdown. How big was that drive in particular, and what was really working in that drive as compared to some of the other times that the offense had stalled a bit? Yeah, there was a good, good mix of run and pass, but we converted and we got chunks. You know, anytime you get chunk plays in a drive, you should score touchdowns. And Gronk, I mean, another touchdown to him. It feels like he and Brady have gotten into that same rhythm that they've had in, in years past. Um, what has seemed to change or click or, or start happening to where they're producing in the end zone so consistently now? I think Byron's doing a good job of getting matched up uh, where we want him. Uh, this one was a hard play action pass. The others, we split him out versus safeties. And just getting good matchups for Gronk and uh, and Tom delivering ball. And what have you seen from Gronk's contributions outside of just his pass catching roles? What are the, some of the things that he's being asked to do in this offense that might go overlooked sometimes? Well, everything. I mean, he's he's a pure tight end. He can block the line of scrimmage. Um, obviously, he's a threat in the passing game, short and deep. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, his role. He's back in football shape, and uh, his role just continues to imp- improve each week. And on that drive where he scored, uh, there was the decision to go for the two-point conversion. Take us through that decision process. Who all is involved in that? Is it analytics-based? Is it just a gut feeling at the time? 
take us through how you basically came to that decision at that point in the game that that was the way to go. Yeah, we're down by one, so we want to get up by three and uh, make sure our field goal just ties it. Uh, and we, and we, we really had a play we really liked and uh, just, just missed the ball to Mike uh, in, the, in the corner of the end zone. And uh, we really had the guys open on the other side too, but I don't, I don't uh, argue with going to Mike. We just got to make that play. And I know you had Anthony Auclair back for the first time in a very long time. Uh, how important is he to what this offense could do, the, the role he could have moving forward and what they've been missing with him being out? Yeah, it just adds another blocker who uh, eligible number. Uh, Joe Haig done a really good job playing tight end. And when they put 300-pounders on the edge, we like to have Joe in there. If they want to stay with 260, 270-pound linebackers, then Anthony can handle his run and Gronk can handle the edge. So it gives us good flexibility. Casey Phillips with head coach Bruce Arians. Game against the Saints coming up. Uh, how I would just want to hear, first of all, how you feel like the Buccaneers are different from the last time that they faced the Saints week one as compared to now. You essentially have this perfect little bookend of first game of the first half and first game of the second half of the season. Where have you seen your team evolve? I think most of us know what we're doing now. The first game, we had very little clue what we were doing. And uh, so it's uh, one of those things, you know, especially with the quarterback having so much time to learn what we were doing and offensively and uh, we played very, very poorly in that ball game in, in New Orleans offensively um, and the kicking game. So I think we've improved drastically in the kicking game and definitely in offense. And now this will be your first game where Antonio Brown will be available to play. Now you have had some time with him around the facility and uh, getting to be in meetings and learning things. Where have you seen him in terms of both physically and mentally and how prepared he will be after some time away? Well, we'll know more Wednesday when we get him on the practice field with us. But uh, physically, he looks in really good shape. He's been with the strength coaches and then running and doing all those things. And uh, he's, he'll pick up the playbook fine. And, you know, it's just really learning a game plan versus the whole playbook. and. Antonio won't have any problem with having a good role for this ball game. And is that helpful when you're about to face a team for a second time or a team you face often to be able to have essentially a new weapon that they aren't as familiar with how you might be using them? Uh, yes, uh, yes and no. But, uh, you know, we know how they're going to play Mike probably. They, they haven't changed in a couple of years now since we played them. And, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed to see if, if Chris is available and, and then uh, what Antonio's role will be. So, uh, those, they can't double cover all those guys, so we'll see how it goes. And how have you seen the Saints uh, change, grow, evolve, deal with uh, some adversity in, in terms of injuries this year and how they might be similar or different to the team that you faced in week one? Well, they're very similar, uh, but Alvin Kamara is playing lights out. I mean, in the passing game more so. I mean, he's always a dangerous runner, but uh, what he's doing, putting up numbers in the passing game, uh, Reminds me a lot of Marshall Falk, and uh, I think that's a great comparison with him and Marshall Falk. Uh, but Drew Brees is playing really, really well, especially in, in the hurry up. And so it'll, it'll be a big challenge. It'll be a great challenge for us. All right. Well, good luck in that game. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and congratulations on that win in New York. Thanks. Thank you, Casey. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians, brought to you by Advent Health. We will be right back with head strength and conditioning coach Anthony Paroli. So don't go anywhere. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We had head coach Bruce Arians with us the first half of the show, and now I am joined by head strength and conditioning coach Anthony Paroli. Anthony, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me, Casey. 
so now I, I want to hear for you. I mean, COVID is, has affected everybody's jobs, um, but you're someone who, of course, works very closely with the players. There were a lot of times you weren't allowed to be close to the players, and, and I'm sure it has been a, a difficult thing for you guys to figure out how to make sure you're still able to do your jobs well when so much about how you typically do them has changed. Um, I know the offseason was definitely a huge part of that, so we'll get to that in a minute. But for now, during the season, what are some of the things that COVID has changed about how you guys do your jobs on a daily basis or some of the adjustments that you've had to make? Yeah, so um, one of the nice things about uh, our weight room and everything that uh, with the setup over at uh, One Buck is that you know we definitely have uh, space at our disposal. So uh, with the social distancing rules that were put in place uh, prior to all the players reporting for training camp, we rearranged the whole weight room. We took a lot of things apart, um, made sure that uh, we created like individual pods uh, for training space for all the guys so that when they did come uh, into the weight room, there was enough space for everybody to really have their own individualized space for training. Um, and that was like the first step of all of it. Uh, we combined that with uh, having racks put outside, excess racks that we brought in, then a uh, you know, full rack of dumbbells and other weight room equipment outside underneath a tent off of the weight room garage doors so that we had an overflow space because our goal is to, uh, or- originally it was just 15 in the entire room and then they allowed us to kind of separate the room uh, into two different areas. So uh, we'd have no more than 30 in our room and uh, no more than another 15 outside. So uh, I would say that we probably went overboard in regards to the safety parameters that we uh, put in place for. It's, uh, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry in that respect. You know, the cleaning responsibilities to start the day, to end the day in between sessions as well. Um, I guess we've really ramped that up, put in a couple other things in regards to making sure everything that air-wise that comes into and out of the weight rooms disinfected properly as well. And it's, it's an extremely clean, safe environment. Uh, luckily, uh, we have a large enough strength staff that um, having the guys so spread out doesn't become problematic for us from an implementation and coaching standpoint because we're still all able to get eyes on all the players through all times. So uh, I thought that was really important because we didn't see any of these players prior to training camp since the previous season ended. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, – where we've definitely made up some ground from a safe safety perspective. You know, we're also taking maybe a little bit longer to get to know all the new guys because you don't really get exposed to everybody as much as you would in a normal year throughout the off season, throughout the preseason, throughout the season. It's been going really good so far, and we really like uh, how everything's uh, rolled out since the start of training camp in that regard. Yeah, that's incredible how many changes and adjustments you guys had to make. And I I wanted to hear a little bit about um, the timeline of all of that, of as you guys were learning about COVID, figuring out how this was going to affect everything that this offseason, when did you start having to make changes and and how fluid was so much of the situation for you guys all the way from back in, you know, maybe March to even now, how many times things have changed, changed and adjusted for all of you? I think flu is the best word to use, as you put it, because um, we've really had to be that every single week. Uh, I think that as of late, we haven't had as many massive changes. But as everybody, uh, you know, from the top down has learned uh, new things and been given new rules to follow, we've made those adjustments, starting with the virtual workouts themselves. 
I know we had talked a little bit about that a while back, but, um, you know, we, we put a good plan in place with that. Everything that happened with training camp, we kind of recreated a new blueprint, taking into account uh, some of the different CDC guidelines and whatnot from a spacing perspective prior to any rules being put in place. And then uh, uh, I would say it was maybe one or two weeks pre-training camp where some of the rules became a little bit more concrete and we made some adjustments. And I would say it was probably a week before training camp that a whole lot of the uh, changes within the weight room took place as well as the time to put the racks together for the outdoor patio area. Those were probably just in a few days prior to training camp as well. But, you know, there's still stuff coming out every single day, every single week, and we make the minor adjustments. And, uh, you know, we definitely came in with a mindset that, like you said, we have to be fluid with this and uh, take as much of the burden on as we can on ourselves as the coaches, as a staff, so that the players can obviously follow the rules and execute within the rules, but at the same time, and much rather us make all the drastic changes necessary to at least minimize some of the changes that the players would have to make on their day-to-day way of going about things. We're talking to head strength and conditioning coach Anthony Paroli. And yeah, you mentioned the virtual workouts. I've been really excited to, to talk with you about this. I, I This was so incredible to learn about back in the offseason, but um Tell everybody what you guys did when you found out that you weren't going to have the guys all off season, all spring. And um, I felt like in particular, you just really got robbed of your glory time of the year that we joked that the off season, that's when there are times that they're not even allowed to work out with the other coaches, that this is your time with them. And you had to miss out on all of that in person. So how did you guys um, get that figured out and tell us about the the virtual program and app that you were able to use and, and what that looked like for the team? I guess, you know, it was obviously, it was it was a little bit disturbing that we wouldn't get to do some of that stuff uh, from a safety perspective, also from a uh, get, kind of getting eyes on your guys and seeing where they're at from a health perspective. The good thing was we kind of already started working on a uh, virtual app uh, last year just for the dead period so that when we do send programs out to guys, they have a more uh, – Uh, accessible way of looking at the workouts of understanding the individualized changes that we uh, create in their training programs. And um, we just decided now is the perfect time to fully roll it out for the guys, the organization as a whole through ownership, uh, head coach, BA and uh, Jason all agreed that we should move forward with the virtual workouts kind of being centerpiece of the off season. And, um, you know, we did that, the entire time, I think we had uh, just phenomenal attendance from start to finish. We made it as seamless as possible for the guys where they could have everything on their phone uh, in an app. And, you know, it was uh, every, a place for them to have video explanations of what we were trying to get them to accomplish. They would also have video explanations or, I guess, video checklists of what they were to send back to us for attendance, for coaching, for queuing purposes. And they could go beyond that, too, if they wanted to, beyond the minimal uh, requirements in that regard. Um, but it, I, I think it really allowed us uh, in the best way possible with the circumstances, you know, as strength coaches, communicate daily with our guys in a good manner and uh, let them know that regardless, um, you know, we were going to work around the different roadblocks that would inevitably pop up throughout that time. Uh, guys are all over the country in different places, so the cities and states that they were in at different rules. And, um, you know, we just took it upon ourselves to really understand what they had at their disposal 
and we would customize the training around it. And, um, you know, beyond that, utilizing the means that the NFL allowed each team to send each player $1,500 worth of equipment. You know, it was an option. Uh, ownership elected to follow through with that option for us, and uh, it went really far into helping a lot of guys uh, fill in the little gaps of what they needed to, to get their best training done throughout the offseason. So I think we definitely turned a negative into a positive, relatively speaking, because that wasn't done everywhere. And I also feel that because of that, beyond just a physical gain from that, we had uh, uh, a good social gain from you know that time period to c- consistently communicate with our guys throughout uh, periods of time that some teams might have not had that same option. So, uh, you know, I, I think we definitely made the most of it. And uh, everything that we did then is something, you know, that we'll probably stick with during dead periods in the future once, uh, the, you know, these trying times pass us by. That's incredible. I mean, so essentially you guys were tailoring to every individual player workouts that were for, that worked for them and based on their equipment that they had and based on the rules of where they were working and living, and then they would video themselves working out and send it back to you guys. How many hours of, of workout videos were you having to sift through and, and watch with these guys, you think? Oh, uh, I can't even imagine how many videos we have right now uh, or that we had from that time period. But um, I would say on any given day, there was probably about 300 short clips of uh, exercises that we had to sift through. So, um, yeah, good thing was the whole strength staff took part in that and uh, it went, uh, it went over pretty good, but there's a lot of videos, some really funny videos too. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. And you mentioned trying to get them the equipment that they needed. And I think that um, speaking on behalf of anybody who has tried to get workout equipment in the last eight months for at home, it uh, was not as easy as you would normally think to just, you know, hey, Amazon, send me some weights. So uh, w- were you guys dealing with the same issues that normal people were in trying to find equipment? And I, I imagine that maybe even was it harder because these guys are using more than my little piddly five pound weights that I was looking for? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say. Let's just say the companies probably uh, deal with the, the, you know, the groups of people, the groups of organizations that buy from them most often. So it might have been a little bit less challenging for us than it was for the general public. But, you know, nonetheless, there are still definitely some roadblocks in that regard. All right. Well, we have more coming up on Buccaneers Total Access with head strength and conditioning coach Anthony Paroli brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be right back. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. Welcome back to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We are here with head strength and conditioning coach Anthony Paroli. We were just talking about all of the insanity of the off-season workouts that they were helping guys do from afar. Um, were there some positions that it was harder than others to make sure that they had what they needed or just some positions that it's a little bit more difficult to be able to craft the workouts that they would need remotely? I think that's um, kind of like the beauty in what we do is that we're looking for the creative ways to do that, especially during the virtual period. So um, I, I, I'm sure there were probably, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm sure there was probably some more significant roadblocks. Maybe it's for, uh, you know, a defensive back to not have somebody to actually cover or to really go through any of their positional work in the manner that they normally would. Whereas uh, 
the, on the flip side, offensively, they can still go through some of their routes without the defenders there. So uh, there definitely was some of those issues going on. But nonetheless, uh, there are issues that existed everywhere. So, um, you know, we just did things as safely, but as uh, specific as possible that, you know, that we could with what they were given. Um, some guys might have been working out with other groups of people, again, based on where they were. So right, we were able to scale that up a little bit more specific, whereas others, you know, with the hand that they're dealt based on where they're living and located, couldn't be in the same type of situation. So, uh, you know, we pulled back, but we'd focus on some other uh, variables that were important for them to get in with their training and, uh, you know, take, spend more time and effort towards that end. So um, I think, you know, definitely looking at it with the glass half full, there was always a positive that we can get out of uh, those situations regardless. It just might be a little bit different from person to person. What were some of your biggest concerns when players came back after being gone for so long where, yes, you'd been watching some videos of them working out, but I'm sure it's very different than when you're really there getting to, to see them in person and do all of the evaluations you normally would. So when, when they did come back for training camp um, and maybe even also the fact they were going to miss preseason games as well, what were the biggest concerns that you guys had either from a injury front or a um, what kind of shape people would be in? What, how was this different for this year in that sense? Well, the intensity and the speed of the game will not be replicated in any form of training, no matter what we do. Um, just uh, their overall arousal level with the game, uh, you know, the increase in hormonally on game day, from an adrenaline perspective, like all those things can't be replicated in training. So the, the things that the body goes through in its real competition uh, it's a drastic increase over any form of training that we're doing. So in that regard, we definitely know that things still need to be ramped up intensity wise, uh, you know, as we get back, um, you know, the additional weight on their bodies from equipment, along with the actual collisions that don't occur in training, you know, all those things have to be accounted for, not to mention uh, the extra added stress of having, um, you know, not just you on your own on the field, or even if you were working out with somebody, but, you know, 22 people on the field doing individual things at the same time. There's definitely a lot of layers to that. So uh, in no way do we try to replicate the game in our training. It's just still bridging the gap as closely as we can. Uh, luckily, the league as well as uh, BA allowed us time to bridge that gap when the guys got back and, uh, you know, to take that from a low, low end volume, low end intensity when everybody gets back, kind of spend the first couple of days just testing them to really get some objective measurements to see where they are, especially if there's somebody that we had in the past. If we have some baselines, we can utilize that information to really know uh, where they were, uh, maybe to enter training camp the, the year before versus where they are now. And, uh, and if they're a new guy, I mean, it's our first set of eyes on them. It's our first time uh, getting baselines on them. You know, one thing to mention with that is, yeah, we had a great offseason with a lot of our guys, but, um, you know, our rookies weren't in the same set of rules. So uh, this was really our first opportunity to do anything with our rookies because they were not a part of the virtual workouts at all. So we didn't have videos on them training. It was definitely different across the whole board roster-wise, uh, and then, of course, you know, last-minute pickups of additional free agents comes and goes. So um, uh, all that taken into account, we had to make sure that we were, you know, not holding anybody back at the same time 
not making sure we weren't putting too much on somebody's plate. So just like we did in the offseason, we did the same thing when everybody came back. We had a scalable approach individually as much as possible so that in that first two-week period, we had a you know a set goal of where we wanted guys to get to prior to the next phase that would have a little bit more football and continually do so. And uh, I think we had a good graded approach over those first couple of weeks of training camp when uh, football started to get sprinkled in more and more and then fully over to the coach's side. And, um, you know, so far so good in that regard. And you mentioned the idea of some baselines and, and measurables and, and ways to really know where everybody is at. And I, I'm just always so intrigued by all of the technology that you guys use and um, all of the data that you do have. So what are some of those things of whether it's, I know you have the devices that they wear during practice that sort of track um, a lot of their movement speed, things like that. You also have stuff in the, in the weight room that they're not just benching, they're benching in a way that you guys are measuring some of the force and stuff. So take us through some of the technology that you guys use and how important the data that gives you is. The information that we're getting uh, has probably been things that people have been looking for, looking at for a long time. It's just now we just have an objective way to actually measure it rather than with the paper and a pencil. But um, I would say that at the end of the day, everything that we do in the weight room or in our strength program is to prepare them for the things that actually occur on the field. So starting with the field itself, um, yes, we have trackers on, so we're going to get some uh, actual distance or time and movement type data and have that graded, whether it's a higher intensity outcome or a lower intensity one. You know, With that, we also just have the actual practice groups themselves to go off of. So uh, play counts for individuals, you know, the total time of exposure, the type of drills that they're doing, all that stuff adds up. And it also adds up to like the end equation. So of what we're trying to get them ready for going back to what I previously spoke about bridging the gap. So um, the things that we're doing in the weight room are going to still be general, but they're still going to be individualized for the position group as a whole. So, um, you know, if it's something that we're doing with these guys that is a little bit more like lineman based, it might be a a lower velocity, higher force output type movement. The same type of measurement system is used for our skill position guys, although it might be done at a uh, higher velocity measurement. That's also going to not just give us a performance measurable, but also a a fatigue or readiness measurable because uh, some of these speed zones week in and week out, the actual amount of uh, weight on the bar would change based on, you know, their fatigue or readiness. And uh, that's something that just gives us one more layer of understanding that individuals, I guess, readiness for the day, if they're over overdrawn, it might be a planned overdraw. So uh, it's a lot of information. Uh, it's a lot of information that's important for us to look at, but uh, you know, luckily I got uh, people on my staff that have been different places that have a, uh, you know, use those those type of systems as well, along with the fact that we have a sports science staff that really aggregates all that information together in one uh, common place for us to look at and uh, also aids us in uh, drawing parallels between things that are happening on the field, things that are happening in their recovery, in their training, and, uh, you know, pulling all those pieces together. So, uh, you know, that could be anything from, uh, like you're saying, the, the, the speed measurement systems in the weight room to the, the force play measurements that we're doing to the, uh, the GPS uh, information that we're getting from the practice field or from a conditioning session itself. Um, and, uh, you know, just working it all backwards from 
the game day data of last year, making sure that we're getting guys ready for you know what lies ahead for the competitive uh, season. And uh, that's what it's all about, just uh, making sure that we have a nice graded approach up to what they're going to get to during uh, the season itself. We're talking to head strength and conditioning coach Anthony Paroli. And uh, I imagine with data like that, especially things where you can see top speed in practice, that um, knowing the players, I'm guessing there's a little competitiveness that comes from this. Uh, some of these statistics that you get either on the field or in the weight room. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think that the, the the practice information isn't up on a screen per se. So they're probably not all going and uh, looking at that like all the time and trying to compete, but some of the stuff that happens in the weight room itself is, you know, immediately available, like in real time to them. So you'll definitely see a whole lot more of that with, with those things. And uh, I mean, they're competitive by nature and we want them to be competitive. We want them to have fun and we want them to own uh, really, I guess you could say own their data, but, you know, own what it is that they have the capabilities to do and hope that uh, they want to continue down that path of uh, developing it. So it becomes competitive and it also just uh, allows guys to really understand where they're at and they already know where they want to go with it. So, um, you know, it gives us a good lead, uh, lead into explaining to them what that process looks like and, uh, you know, helping them achieve those goals is why we're here. I feel like one of the most common questions I get from fans is either who's the fastest on the team or who's the strongest on the team. And I feel like you are one of the only people that could give a real answer to this. So we're just going to imagine no players are listening to this. You're not going to, they're not going to know who you threw under the bus or who you didn't mention. All right. You get to brag. Who are some, who would you say if you give the, the speed and strength awards out, who's getting that? Oh boy. I mean, I think it's all relative. Uh, obviously you got strong guys that are in lower weight classes and strong guys that are in, uh, alignment group just like you have fast linemen uh you really put me on the spot with this one um <laughs> but uh i would say that the speed information that we get before i answer this question so i don't bury myself the speed <laughs> information that we get is uh really uh based on what they're actually doing on the field so there's a lot of guys that don't really get put into many situations that it, they're going to get to a max velocity in that respect Guys that normally do get to that are guys that are playing on special teams, on kickoffs or on punt coverage. And so, uh, you know, week in and week out, the guys that are at the top end of that on the game day data happen to usually be your gunners and whatnot. So you'll have a, a Ryan Smith continually hitting extremely fast speed uh, because of that. And Ryan is definitely up there. I would say in the same note, there's guys that don't necessarily get a chance to run 50 yards uh, with without somebody uh, getting in their way to slow them down, so they don't quite get that type of uh, measurable on the field itself. Um, you have wide receivers that could get it whenever they are playing, but they probably get it when they're playing special teams. And you'll see occasionally somebody in practice, like a Cyril Grayson, get numbers that will rival Ryan Smith's. But like with that being said, it's really the total amount that these guys are doing. Uh, you know, the one-offs that people can achieve once versus uh, the continual way to go after whoever's defending them or on the other side of the ball. You know, we're looking at the total amount of work that these guys are doing at high high velocities. And uh, I guess that's probably the, the biggest thing here. If you went back to combines, that's obviously going to really be a lot more indicative of top speeds. But uh, 
that's the best I can give you from, from that standpoint. On the same note, uh, you'll have some bigger guys that are hitting great speeds as well on special teams. And, uh, again, it goes back to the fact that they just have such a long uh, amount of yardage to cover without somebody slowing them down. So, um, you know, that's why you'll see a defensive lineman like Pat O'Connor hit close to 20 miles an hour in a game when a lot of his counterparts are hitting uh, considerably lower speeds, not necessarily because they're slow, but they just don't get given the opportunity to do such things. That's fair. That's a very good political answer. I'll make sure that, you know, all the, all the players know that you didn't throw anybody under the bus. All right. We still have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers total access with head strength and conditioning coach, Anthony Broly brought to you by Advent health. We'll be right back. This is the Buccaneers radio network. Buccaneers total access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues brought to you by Advent health. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers total access brought to you by Advent health with head strength and conditioning coach, Anthony Paroli. Um, I wanted to hear about how you work with coaching staff and then everybody else on the sort of sports science side, because there's strength and conditioning. You have the, the more medical training staff side. You have the true sports science department, you have nutrition. There's so many of you guys that all sort of work together. And then the way that also you are able to inform the coaches based on what you found, tell us a little bit about what part everybody plays and the communication and, and how you guys try to all work together. Yeah. So I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, like in like, department wide across the performance department, strength, sports, science, nutrition, sports, med. I would say that uh, both myself, uh, Bobby Slater, Dave Hamilton, Stephanie and Greg Skaggs, um, you know, we meet regularly kind of to go over the, the, the big bullet points department wide roster wide, uh, things that are uh, coming up, things to put on the people's radar and, uh, you know, just, just different discussion points that we might have to bring to coaches, uh, you know, whether it's a position coach, a coordinator or VA himself. And, uh, as far as like the information goes, uh, it's a whole lot more with, uh, I would say myself, uh, Dave Hamilton and Bobby Slater speaking to the coaches. Uh, sometimes it's Dave and I going up to speak to BA once or twice a week. It could be uh, Dave speaking to a position coach one-on-one, Bobby the same thing, and myself the same thing. The way that I like to do it, though, is, uh, you know, it's really year-round just discussing players and, I guess, overall positional goals of these groups with the position coaches, with the coordinators, and with BA. So that way, uh, throughout the season, the ebbs and flows that the guys are going to go through, I at least have uh, the ability to give uh, the coaches a bit more of a pulse on what's going on group-wide or with an individual in their group and if they're seeing anything different. So um, as much as it is objective, there's still an extremely important subjective point to having those conversations because uh, the context is key with all of this information there can be very good uh, explanations for uh, data being off, whether it be high or low. And if you don't put the context to that point, you can really go down a, a dark path with that information. So those conversations go a really long way into understanding, you know, it could be something that it was a scheme change for a week that is throwing somebody off. It could be an off the field problem. It could be any number of things, but uh, you know, having those conversations with the player themselves with uh, different uh, coaches at different levels, all that information uh, really allows us to make meaningful change for the individual. I think that that goes regardless if you have all the technology in the world or none at all. At the end of the day, your eyes are going to lead you usually down the right path of making sure you're watching these guys 
getting a pulse on what uh, everybody's trying to achieve team wide week in and week out throughout the season. Uh, those things along with like quality training, quality recovery are going to lead you to greater results than anything else. And uh, we're talking to head strength and conditioning coach, Anthony Paroli. I know that um, Bruce has come out and said about how you guys have learned some things about, especially maybe with some of the soft tissue injuries that ended last season um, about maybe some things about work, you know, load and, and management. And so I just overall wanted to hear what you feel like you guys have learned from last year to this year, now that it is your second year here, second year with a lot of this technology and with this coaching staff and team. What are some of those, those things that you guys felt like you learned from last year to apply to this year? I, mean, I think just being on the front end of everything as much as possible, uh, looking at uh, things, whether it comes down to travel schedules uh, or maybe short weeks that lie ahead, making sure that you're lining things up across the board, understanding what the coaches want to get accomplished on the field, so that way we can draw parallels or run a parallel training program in the weight room with anything that we're doing. Um, you know, it's such a long season that it makes no sense to take advantage of a lower week on the field by having a higher week in training. So, um, you know, we should make sure that we're, we're ebbing and flowing with the coaching staff in that regard, constantly communicating uh, with both the coaching side as well as the medical side with the different things that. Uh, can go from minor to major uh, because there's always going to be a lot of uh, minor bumps and bruises every single week in this sport, trying to, you know, do our best uh, department wide to catch those things early and prevent them from becoming like major things down the road. And, uh, you know, hoping that you can keep together the the, the, the best team possible for uh, later in the season. So that, you know, unlike last year, we have the ability to continue on that path and make sure that we put the best, uh, roster out there moving forward all right well this has been buccaneers total access with head coach bruce arians and head strength and conditioning coach anthony paroli ap thanks for being with us this has been awesome i appreciate it all right well thanks to all of you guys for being with us this has been brought to you by advent health we'll see you next week this is the buccaneers radio network buccaneers total access with head coach bruce arians has been brought to you by advent health with award-winning care and a network of convenient locations advent health is here to help you feel whole learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com this is tampa bay sports radio 95.3 wdae and am 620 st petersburg home of the best box coverage